Good morning. Thanks again to our music team and leading us in worship through song. Thanks, Brian Hofer, for leading us in the Lord's Supper to remember and worship the Lord for his death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf, and it's always something to celebrate. Before we dive in here, I've been made aware of this um, this last week uh, about something that's going on in our church that some of you didn't know about, and I'll just go ahead and confess on behalf of the elders, um, maybe, maybe we didn't do a good job of communicating that, but we are in the process of searching for a full-time uh, student ministry pastor, which would be junior and senior high. Nikki here at the end of the school year into May is going to, she does three jobs here anyway, we're going to just take one of those jobs off of her plate, but uh, she's going to be moving in, just really working with, with, our, with our, obviously our preschool and then our children's ministry here on Sunday morning. Um, and then we're going to have someone who will uh, take care of junior and senior high and continue to, to build into the team that takes care of the third and fifth graders on Wednesday night as far as takes care of them, that leads that ministry. So we just ask you all pray for that and uh, um, pray for that great opportunity we have to, to bring someone in to serve our junior and senior high um, uh, on a full-time basis. So just so everybody hear that again? Here, make sure. At least everybody here heard that, right? Doesn't mean everybody knows that yet. We've got to keep communicating, but just keep that in your prayers, please, as we move that way. Well, um, if you are visiting, uh, Brian introduced himself. My name's also Brian, and I serve as one of the elders, and this Brian serves as an elder, and this Brian serves as an elder, and we do have people other than Brian that serve as an elder. We just happen to have three. Uh, my name is Brian McKenzie, and, and do serve as one of the elders here. It's a privilege to serve with these men and serve you all. And um, and also have the privilege to, to teach a couple times a month as well on Sunday morning. So we are thankful to be at this point in our time of worship. Uh, and uh, I would encourage you uh, to uh, take out your Bibles and get ready to, to dive in this morning. We are in this series uh, called Genesis. And that means that the word Genesis means beginnings or birth, to give birth to, beginning. And uh, th this morning we are... Diving into part three, the beginning of man, you can see the verses we'll be covering here, uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and then 2, 4 through 25, in this message entitled, The Beginning of Man. Subtitled, I have a sub, you know, I like the subtitles every once in a while, it just helps me, I don't know if it helps you, but here's my subtitle, uh, The Crown of God's Creation. The crown of God's creation. I think you'll see that this morning. So if you do have a copy of God's Word with you, and I hope that you do have a copy of God's Word. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, let us know. We're going to get you one. Every need, everybody needs to have at least a copy of God's Word, a, a Bible, a, a hard copy. Guess what? Hard copies of God's Word don't need batteries. You don't have to plug them in. And, and so not that there's wrong with anything with an electronic copy like that, but the great thing about that, you can take it wherever you uh, one, and you don't have to worry about the battery dying. So if you don't have a hard copy of God's Word, let us know. We'll get you one. But if you do, go ahead and turn to Genesis 1 and 26, and we'll be looking at that, and then most of Genesis 2 today. Uh, but before we examine our passage of Scripture for this morning, as always, we want to do a little bit of review to make sure that we're in context, that we are reading this in context. In the last two weeks, Jay did, and la last week I emphasized the importance of context. Context is huge if we're going to really understand what God's Word has to say. So uh, first, before we do that, in way of context, I want to point out uh, these canvases. There's a canvas over here, and this is a canvas up here in front of me. Uh, just point these out to you. Uh, they, 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 they have these symbols on them or icons. Now, uh, you, Jay said that word, and because of my background and the friends that I have and stuff like that, some people hear the word icons, and it, it, it that's a negative word because this tradition you came from or your background encourage you to ask you worship icons. That's not what we're talking about. Please know that. We're not talking about that at all. These symbols, your icons, are meant to be like the apps on your phone. So when you pull up your phone and you've got an app and you look at a pic, that, that, that symbol there, it, 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 it's a summary of what is behind that app, Right? Now you guys understand? And that's what these, these, these symbols or these icons are to remind us of a, a bigger picture. You look at that symbol and you go, oh, okay, I know what that's talking about. And that's what we want to do is, 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 is to, to utilize these canvases that, that have these symbols to remind us of where we've been in Genesis. And, and the first canvas here takes care of, of, of the first two weeks uh, in Genesis that you see the lightning bolt. Over here on my right, it's kind of down low. You may not be able to see if you're too far back. It's a lightning bolt, and it reminds us of Jesus saying that he saw Satan fall like lightning. 
And it remembers the, the beginning, it reminds us of the beginning of evil. And then the other part of that, you see that symbol or icon, is, is it's God's perfect creation, the beginning of good. All right, we covered that last week. And then in front of me this morning, you see, you see this new canvas here with this big tree on it, and it reminds us of the beginning of man. So we want to encourage you each week as you come in, you're preparing your heart for worship, and you sit down and you look up here and you see these, just, just okay, well, let me be reminded of where we've been in, in this story, uh, the beginning, all right, God telling us about who he is and what his plan is. As you look at those, remind you, just a way review and put you in context, even before myself or Jay or anyone else gets up here, you've already got your mind, okay, here, we're, here we, we're at this point of the, of the story right now. We're going to pick up where we left off. Does that, does that make sense? That's what these are for. So with that being said, let me give a, a brief, just briefly remind you what we saw last week in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 3, the beginning of good. Uh, and that was highlighted by the fact that in, in, in that passage of Scripture, seven times it says, and it was good. It says it was good. And in fact, six of the times it says it was good. And the seventh time it says it was very good. And the word good, as we were reminded of last week, Week in Hebrew carries this idea of something that's complete, absolutely perfect, beneficial, desirable, useful. It's useful for a purpose. So we should not be surprised uh, that the things that were good, um, and that they were good, because we saw the source of good was God Almighty, who, who is eternal, self-existent, omnipotent, sovereign, loving, gracious, holy. We can see all those things. So we shouldn't be surprised the things that he created were good. Uh, and the one true God, the, the, this, he created everything, listen, on purpose, for a purpose. That means they were good because that's part of the meaning of good, that they're, they're for a purpose. He, he then moved in, um, God then moved Moses to const- even structure this first section of Genesis, which goes from 1-1 one, one again to 2-3, in such a way that it would highlight God as the primary character. 35 times in that section, God is mentioned. Hmm. I wonder if he's trying to get a point across. That God is the main character. He's the guy on the billboard. It's about God. It's, it's God's story. Now, we are involved in that, but it's really about God. And he also... He did it in such a way that it, that it would help us be easy. To, we saw this last week to help us um, understand and memorize it easily because of the way that it was structured. And remember, there was a, everybody didn't have a copy. Didn't, I talked about all of us having a copy of God's Word, like even a physical copy. There was one copy of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, or the Torah. One copy when they first given to the, 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 the uh, children of Israel getting ready to enter the promised land. Second generation that were wandering in the wilderness. There was only one copy. Now, it began to be copied, but they had to pass it on orally. So having something be easy to memorize and understand would be very beneficial, wouldn't it? And God was so great. He's so good that he structured in such a way that it would be easy to do that. Well, as we move forward, I want to remind us that, that again, that Genesis and Genesis, God's introducing himself to us. He's introducing his story to us and telling this story through people in Genesis. And the great thing is he, is he continues to tell his story through our story, through people today. And, and every week we want to encourage you to be a part of his story by telling your part of the story, of his story, to other people so they can be introduced to God and who he is and what he's done. So <clears throat> with that review, I, I want to turn our attention now to the text we're going to look at today, at least part of the text we're going to look at together. I encourage you to stand with me as we read uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. <clears throat> this is what we'll read together this morning, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's go to the Lord together and just ask him to do again what only he can do. Lord, we do come, all of us individually, and we come corporately to you, and we would ask you to open our hearts and minds 
to not only understand what you have before us, but Lord, to put it into practice in a way that honors you and blesses others. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, <clears throat> we want to turn our attention here to the, this passage of Scripture that talks about the, the beginning of man. So let me begin by picking up the story in 2, 4 through 25. And, and I encourage you to have a copy of God's Word to follow along with me. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, just listen as God tells the rest of the story of the beginning of man to us. Beginning in verse 4 of chapter 2. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that God made heaven and earth. No, no shrub of the field was yet on earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise up from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man who had, he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to this side and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The bedellum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suited for him. Out of, the, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife we're both naked and we're unashamed. Well, as we examine this portion of Genesis this morning, this portion of God's story to us, I, I'm, I'm going to highlight some of the truths, again, showing that how they all point to the main overarching truth, the beginning of man, the crown of God's creation. And this morning, we're, we're going to do something a little bit different. Normally, we do that, and I come back, and I give some implications that you might take those principles and apply to your life. But this morning, as we work down through the text, I'll be pointing out some key implications from the main overarching truth that you can be encouraged to apply to your life. So listen throughout the time for things that are implied, that are eternal truths that we can put to practice in our own lives. Once again, let me remind you uh, that there's a lot here in this passage, a whole lot here, and we're not going to be able to touch on every detail. So I was thinking about this week, this week, actually one day I was working out, I was thinking about this, man, there's so much here again. So I, I just, here's here, the picture came to my mind. It's like we're swimming in the ocean, and I'm not a big ocean guy, my love, my wife loves the beach in the ocean, but I go because she likes it, but let's say you're swimming in the ocean, and we did this actually on our honeymoon, we, we went snorkeling, all right, you're, you're snorkeling, and you're, you're, you're swimming along the ocean, and you put your face in the water, you got to snorkel up there, and, and you, you have a, these, this mask on, and you can see down there, and say, man, that's pretty cool. And you swim some more, and you say, that's pretty cool. Well, we're going to, some of the stuff this morning, we're going to be swimming along, we're looking down, and, man, that's pretty cool, and we're just going to keep swimming. We're just going to notice and point it out. And that was pretty cool, but some of this stuff we're going to put on our scuba tank, and we're going to swim down there, Aaron, that's right, and we're going to get a little closer and get a little closer with Lurk. And then we're going to swim back up to the top of the surface, and we're going to be swimming along. And we're going to look, oh, that's, and we're going to keep swimming. We're going to be tempted to, to dive down, but we only got so much oxygen in the tank, all right? 
So we're, we're, we're going to use up the oxygen, but we don't have enough oxygen to dive down deep on everything. Does that make sense? You think, some of you think that's the stupidest illustration I've ever heard in my life. That's okay. That's what I thought about. Well, um, <laughs> so, so the, those things that we don't de- de- dive deeper in this morning, I want to encourage you, as we do every week, go home, get in God's Word. Study His Word. And I'll tell you, here's a wonderful thing about God's Word. God's Word interprets itself. So if you want to find out about some of the things, it's all over Scripture. As we've mentioned, Genesis is the foundation for all of Scripture. You can go other places in Scripture that talk about Genesis and find out more about these wonderful things that we won't have time to dive deep into. Well, as we move forward this morning, um, it's, it's important that I clarify something up front. Uh, remember, the, 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 the title of this sermon is The Beginning of Man, or The Crown of God's Creation, but the, the Beginning of Man. All right. So when using the word man this morning... We, are, we were sp- speaking of mankind, male and female, and we see that right up front in 127 of Genesis. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right, so we're talking about mankind, not just males. I hope we're clear on that. So you guys are thinking, oh, this whole sermon's about me today. Don't think so highly of yourself, okay? It's about male and female, mankind. I hope that helps. Now look with me at verse 26 here in, in our, our chapter, chapter 1. Uh, it says, let, notice that, that phrase, let us make man in our image. And notice specifically the words, us and our. There's obviously a clear contrast between, listen, listen very closely. We saw last week, let there be, that was the formula of the first seven statements of creation. Let there be light, and there was. Let there be, and there was, Right? There's a contrast between let there be and let us make. You all hear that? You can hear that. You can see it. Uh, this, this phrase that's used in creation of man. God moves, listen very closely, from command, let there be, to consultation, let us make. Did you guys see that? He moves from command to consultation. And in all the other areas of creation, God speaks with a command, and what he commanded, it came to pass. But when it comes to creation of mankind, in verse 26, God seems to have a consultation with others about how he would be create, how, how mankind would be created. Man is so special that God in eternity past took the time to come up with a special plan. No other part of creation is spoken of us in this, in this manner. This contrast between command and consultation, consultation alone shows that man is special creation unlike any other creature. Truly, in the beginning of man, we see that mankind, male and, female, male and female, is the crown of God's creation. I, I, I've got to say this because I, I know we have animal lovers in the room, and we'll see this. And I love animals. I especially love dogs. Some other creatures, furry with claws, I'm not so sure about. But, uh, um, but, but I, lo- I, I like animals. But they're not mankind, and they're not the crown of God's creation as much as you love your animals. In our whole world, I don't want to get this. This is I'm diving deep where I shouldn't. Stay on the surface of the water here, Brian. All right, all right. We got our things messed up. We we want to save the wells and kill the babies. There's a problem, and that's not what God's word says. This is completely different. So, with whom did he consult? He's having this consultation. We see in verse 26 that God is at first referred to in the singular, then God singular said. Then we see these plural pronouns, us and our, and they refer to God. What is God trying to communicate to the original recipients and us about himself by using these words? He is relating a mystery, listen, this mysterious plurality in the singular Godhead. And as God progressively, listen, progressively reveals himself in the Old and New Testaments, we begin to realize that God is three in one, something that we've called the Trinity, one what? God, three who's? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. However, Moses and the, and the Israelites who originally received Genesis would not have had the privilege of this full revelation of the Trinity. But even so, they would have at least understood there's a plurality in the singular Godhead. And this would have communicated something real important, that God was never alone or non-relational, but was instead a very, a very personal and relational being. He is relational within himself. I know that blows our mind, but that's what the Scripture teaches. 
This consultation between the plurality of the persons of the Godhead was a great encouragement to the Israelites who would face off against people who had false gods, who were impersonal and could not relate to them. Instead, their God, Yahweh, was very personal and relational, could therefore relate and have a relationship with them. God thought so much of mankind that he lovingly and purposefully planned out within himself exactly how he would create us. We are the crown of God's creation. I don't know about you, but I'm extremely humbled by the fact that God would still lovingly plan out how he would create me even though he knew I would rebel against him. That humbles me. There's nothing else that God created like that but mankind. And this should most definitely motivate us to continually grow in our worship of him and grow in our service to him because of how he created us unique, the crown of his creation. And as we continue to look at the beginning of man this morning, I want you to notice with me the phrases in verse 26 there. This, this in, in our image and according to our likeness in verse 27 later on, in his own image, in the image of God. Image and likeness, these are really synonymous, and they're both used to stress a point, right? They're trying to help us understand how did he create us, in what way. It means that mankind was to be a God-like creature. Not God, but God-like. The word image has this understanding of a physical representation of something that's actually not the object, I mean, not actually the object represented, but clearly portrays the object, all right? And likeness is to be like or resemble something. So mankind, listen very closely, this is when you think about image and likeness, think about these two words. Mankind was therefore both to represent and resemble God on earth. That might help you, to represent and resemble God on earth. The pattern for the crown of God's creation is therefore God himself well, in what way is man in the pattern or image of God? According to John 4.24, God is spirit. So we know that the image of God is focusing more on the spiritual act aspect of man than the physical. God is spirit. Although the spiritual is the main focus, the physical is not unimportant. It's not important. I just thought about this as we were taking the Lord's Supper this morning. We have taste buds. We have senses that God gave us, physical. And we, we partake of the bread and the cup. And they remind us, this physical thing reminds us of what he did for us. Because we're physical beings, too. And, and consider this fact, that God knew that there would come a day that he would even become a man. God the Son would take on human flesh. So the physical is not unimportant. Don't, don't get me wrong when I say that the main point is that we're spirit. God is a spirit, and we're a spirit. We've already mentioned that due to the fact that there's a plurality of the persons and the one true God, uh, this, um, God's relational because of that. Therefore, to be made in his image at least means that we have the ability to have relationships. If we're in his image and God is a relational being, then we're meant to be relational. We're created to have fellowship with one another. Not be out there by ourselves. And I've said this before. Hey, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And about half of you got that. Some of you don't even know who the Lone Ranger is. But it, it's, his name means lone. I mean, he's a lone ranger. All right? That's he's by himself. But he really wasn't by himself, was he? He had Tonto, his buddy. Who's Tonto? Well, he's this Indian that went along with him, man. And they were, they were taking down all the bad dudes, all right? That was the Lone Ranger and Tonto. You need to look that up. Go to YouTube. It'll be there, all right? But even the Lone Ranger had a guy. He had fellowship. He had somebody to do something with. God made us that way. And having loving relationships with others, we, we, listen, we represent, in our relationships with each other, we represent and we resemble the perfect and loving fellowship within the Godhead and therefore bring glory to him. In our relationships, it brings glory to God because it points to him who's relational in and of himself. Well, as we continue to study Genesis, we'll see that, that man was given an intellect or ability to reason. We're volitional. We can make decisions. We're moral. We have the ability to understand right from wrong. We're self-conscious. We understand we're doing things at what we're doing. Uh, mankind can also share in, in some of the attributes of God. 
uh, the, the, there's different attributes of God. Some are what they call communicable. And, and what that means is we, we can be holy and loving and righteous and just and gracious and good. Not like God, but we can, we can display those things. Now, there's some that are incommunicable that, that we can't share with God, that he's infinite, that he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. We, we don't share those with God. But there are attributes of God that we sh- can share and live out. In fact, all these things I just mentioned about mankind point to the fact that we were made in the image of God. Therefore, we are called to represent and resemble on God, God on this earth for his glory. And because we've been created in the image of God, listen very closely. We have value. We have infinite value because we've been created in the image of God. One of the things that, that I like to do, and I did it with my older son's sports team, specifically football, and, and my, my youngest son's team coaching the little league, Sean, Jason, and I coaching these little guys, is we have this thing at the end of practice called the silverback drill. And we have kids stand up and other kids tell them why they're important to our team. And they can't say anything about their performance or about how big and strong they are. Nothing about their performance or the way they look. What do they bring to our team that's important, that, has, that gives them value in our team? And people stand, kid will stand up, you're important to our team because you're always cheering us on. You're important to our team because you work hard. You're important to these kids, man. They're just like, this is awesome. And at the end, I said, hey, why are you important to our team? And every one of them, after a while, they figured out, because I was created in the image of God. Every one of our kids could say that. And they couldn't wait for their time for the silverback drill. When we pumped them up, not because of their ability or their performance, because the simple fact that they were created in the image of God. That's why you're valuable. Know that. Not because of your performance. Not because of what others say about you. Because of what God says about you. And he says you're created in the image of God and therefore you have value. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. In fact, all of us needed to hear that because we get caught up in performance. That's what we do, not who we are. We've been created in the image of God. It gives us value. And God wanted the Israelites and he wanted us today to know how special and precious we are by the very fact that only man was made in the image of God and therefore has the ability to have a relationship with him. Truly man is a crown of God's creation. Now look at the beginning of of, of verse 28. God blessed them. I'm going to speed up here a little bit, all right? God blessed them. Um, God wanted man to know that that the purpose he had given them to fulfill was to be a blessing. In other words, mankind was to enjoy fulfilling his God-given purpose. What is man's God-given purpose through which he's to be blessed? It consists of two, he's he's to be blessed and bless others. Consists of two things found in verse 28. And we should not be surprised that his image bearers, those who represent and resemble him, we would do the similar thing that he did in creation. All right, notice what it says. Subdue it and rule over him. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And I did that on purpose. I set them opposite for a reason. All right, and they're, they're set here for us to, they're, they're, they're in a sense, they, they correspond to what God did. Remember this, in, uh, that God in verses, in, in, in days one through three, what did he did? do? He formed the earth. In days four through six, we learned this last week, he filled the earth. And look what we're called to do. With those, to be fruitful and multiply, that's filling, all right? To subdue is to form. We're also called to form and fill the earth. Should we be surprised at that? Since we're image bearers, we're to be, in a sense, like God as his image bearers, we would do the same thing. Another way to think about it is as we, we reproduce and we rule. And as we do that, we are blessed and we're a blessing to others. At this point, I'm, I'm tempted to dive down and look at, at this in more detail. Not enough oxygen in the tank, all right? We're going to move on. So as we do so, I'm moving to chapter 2, specifically verses 4 through 25. It's important to point out something. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, 3, is a broad view of the seven days of creation, a, a view taken from a wide-angle lens. And then chapter 2, beginning in verse 4 through the rest of it, is a narrower view of creation or a zoom-in. Right, that's what he's doing. He's zooming in. He's doing something where he's doing it for a reason, to focus on mankind because we're the crown of creation. He doesn't focus in on giraffes in chapter 2. He focuses in on mankind. And this is brought into focus as we look at verse 4. Just point this out to you real quick. This account of the heavens and the earth. Notice that when they were created in the day the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now notice the change from the first half of the verse to the second half of the verse. The first half of the verse is identical with Genesis 1.1. All right, he created the heavens and the earth. 
all right? Then in the second half of verse 4 here, all right, it's earth and heaven. He flips them. And this subtle change shows the focus has gone from everything in general, all right, to something more specific on earth with man. The context shows us this as we continue in chapter 2. There's also another subtle thing that we want to see in verse 4. Look at this word, these two words, Lord God. This is the first time in Scripture that this name is used for God. Up to this point, only the word God, 35 times we mentioned, has been used, which is the word uh, Elohim, which means almighty or sovereign. All right, The word Lord here is Yahweh, Israel's personal covenant-keeping God. It was an intimate name for God. This was the name that God, we'll see this later if you read on in Pentateuch, that God, Moses said, well, who should I say sent me? He's supposed to go back to Pharaoh, say, hey, let my people go out of bondage. He says, who shall say sent me? And God responds back, tell him I am sent you. And it's this word, we, we, it's really, it's all constant. There's no vowels, in, in, but we've thrown vowels in so we can pronounce it and understand what we're talking about. It's this word Yahweh, Israel's personal covenant-keeping God, intimate name for himself. The original recipients of Genesis already knew this to be God's personal name before Genesis was written and presented to them. When they heard Lord God here in in chapter 2, verse 4, they would be reminded that the sovereign God who made everything, including this man and this paradise for man, was their God who personally and intimately delivered them out of Egypt. This was stressed to them the point that God had been intimately involved with man at every step of the way. When they read this, Lord God, whoa, that's a change. And you'll see Lord God throughout chapter 2, right? And this would, should be no surprise since man was the crown of God creation. That the Lord, personal, not distant, but personal God, a covenant-keeping God. All right, now look at verse 7 with me. Um, and notice that the, the word formed there in verse 7. This word is used to convey the image of a potter, again, carefully crafting some clay into, into a work of art. Hey, hey, he's making man. He's forming man. Um, he's deliberately creating man, not accidentally creating man. Now notice the phrase, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and a man became a living being. Yes, animals were living beings, and they had, the breath of, had a breath of life, but not in the same sense that mankind. Remember in verses 26 of chapter 1, we saw that only Mankind was created in the image of God, not animals. The word for breath is the same word used for wind or spirit. This, this breath that gave life is speaking of the immaterial part of mankind that cannot be measured. You cannot measure this. The life God gave man involved the ability to communicate with God, which we'll see in verses 16 and 17. God spoke everything in existence, but here for the very first time in chapter 2 do we see God speak directly to one of his creations. He didn't speak to any of his creations until mankind comes on the scene. And, and why? Because they have the ability to communicate with God because he has, they have his spirit living in them. They've been given a spirit to do that. So we see in the creation of man that the, the, the body, the physical aspect, and the breath of life, the spiritual aspect, were both created by God and declared very good. So all of us, all, every part of us was declared very good. Man was created perfectly in every way, which is not surprising since man is the crown of God's creation. And not only, man, not only was man created perfect, man was also given the perfect place in which to live. I want you to see this. This is awesome. Uh, this, I mean, a lot of people in the summer, right, think that the lake's the perfect place to live because so many people come here. They must think that, right? No. It's great. We love living here, but it's not the perfect place to live. And, and we see this perfect pla- place to describe in verses 8 through 14, which we won't look at all of it. But in verses 9 and 10, we see th- this, this beautiful place, all right? And he highlights this. Look at verse 9 in that phrase, that is pleasing to the sight. It describes the trees that both include the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all right, and the tree of life, both were included in this, all right, but it, it's pleasing, all right, to the sight. You ever been someplace that's pleasing to the sight? I like the Smoky Mountains. I, I like Colorado, but I like the Smoky Mountains. To me, that's pleasing to my sight, and that's even after the fall, which we'll talk about next week, all right? No, not in verse 10, look at this, it says, that this river watered the garden to make it lush and green and beautiful. This perfect place God created for the crown of his creation to live was also a place of provision. Look again at verse 9. 
He says it was good for food. He, he gave them food, good food. And, and we see that in, in this perfect place where God had placed man, he, he gave him a perfect purpose. What was man's perfect purpose in the garden? And it goes hand in hand with what we saw, all right, to, 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 uh, of this, this rule and reproduction part that we saw in, in 126 through 28. All right, well, what was it? What was it, this, this, this purpose? It was the purpose of worship. What? Worship? Where, 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 where are they singing songs here? Well, worship's made way more than singing songs, just so you know that. Way more than that. It's giving God the worth that he deserves. Now, notice I want you in, in verse 15 with me. Notice those words, cultivate it and keep it. When these two words are used in the Pentateuch, again, which is the first five books of the Bible, that, which God wrote through Moses to give to the second generation of Israelites wandering in the, in, in, in the wilderness before they go into the promised land, all right, these five books of the Bible, when these two words are used in Pentateuch, they refer to spiritual service. Their language referring to worship. When Moses used these words here in Genesis, the people knew what he was referring to. These were the same words they were given when it came to worship the Lord. This is so important. Notice that this worship was in the context of what? Working in the garden. What's that tell us? Work was not part of the fall. I know some of you go to work and think, this was part of the fall. All right? This work is terrible, and it might be. All right? But only toil, difficulty in our work was a result of the fall, not work itself. Work was seen as good and as an act of worship. Even after the fall, God wants us to see that work is good and a chance to worship him. So how are we doing at this? Do we see work as an opportunity to worship the Lord? Or are we worshiping the Lord through our work by doing it with excellence, by, by submitting to our boss, by doing all things without grumbling and complaining? Because remember, work was given to us before the fall as an act of worship. You ever thought about that? Don't, don't miss that. They didn't. When they first read this, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And just to say this, Christians should be the best workers in the world. We should be the best workers in the world. Everybody, I want to hire Christians because we, we, we work so hard with such excellence, with such humility. They should want to hire Christians. Well, up to this point, we, we've seen the beginning of man. Everything's been good, and, and it's going to keep being good throughout. It's going to be, it's going to be perfect, all right, in this, this beginning of man. Look with me in verses 16 and 17, um, and, and, look at that, and, and look at that phrase, the Lord God commanded the man. Here we see the perfect Lord all right, the perfect Lord God, here in, in chapter 2, Lord God gave man, who is a crown of his creation, the perfect authoritative instruction. He gave man his perfect word. And, and the word that he gave, this perfect word, provided two things, and we see in these verses. First, the word provided freedom. Notice that phrase, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. Notice all that God said man could do. He had all the freedom to eat from abundance of those beautiful and great-tasting trees. Now, so often we concentrate on the few things we're not allowed to do instead of focusing on the abundance of the things that the Lord frees us to do and find fulfillment and joy from that. Are you with me? Anybody going to say amen to that? Yeah, all right, yeah. We find that, oh, I can't do that, and I'm going to complain about all I can't do all day when God's given us all this to enjoy. All right? See the freedom that he gives us in his word, in this authoritative word. Not only we see freedom, but we also see that the, the, the word provided pr protection. Look at what it says, but, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. God specifically and clearly instructs Adam not to eat from this tree. Listen, there are no exceptions. This is important when we go into chapter 3. There are no exceptions. Do not eat from this tree. Is that clear? He didn't say that, but I'm sure that's what he was thinking. All right, he, is that, it was clear. Don't eat from this tree. Now, was God just being a killjoy? Come on, God. And now, later, well, somebody thought he was a killjoy. He was protecting his crown of creation. Look, for, in that day the, that you eat from it, you will surely die. God was protecting man from death. Physical death and spiritual death are both in mind here. And we know that Adam and Eve both died spiritually and that they, they were separated from God in their intimate fellowship with him and in their intimate relationship with him, and they both died physically. 
As long as mankind obeyed the Lord's command, they would experience both freedom and protection. But if they disobeyed, their, disobeyed, their freedom and protection would be gone. It's the same for us today. When we walk in obedience to the Lord, we can expect freedom and protection. This reminds me of an old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. It also reminds me of an illustration that Sean and I share when we do these clinics all over the place. That you, 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 there, there's this study done. If you take, you, they took these kids and they had this playground, all right, and they had this fence around the playground. And, and, and the kids, they watched them observe, and they played all over the place. They went to the edge over here where the fence stopped them right here. They just kept playing everywhere. They were running around, just having a great time. They went all the way to this board and this border on the playground, everything like that. They took the same kids, same playground equipment, in an open field. And you know what they did? They clung to the playground. Why? Because there was no clear borders. There was no protection. Freedom came because there were borders, because there was an authoritative word. Do you guys see that? That's exactly what God did because he loves us. He gave us this authoritative word for freedom and protection. Now notice uh, the first thing God says in verse 18, all right? It is not good for man to be alone. Up to this point, everything he said is what? It is good. He says right here, it's not good. Now, this comes before the completion of day six. He's, cre- he's created man here, and, and, and now we see that God says the fact that man is alone is not good. This is not saying that something was evil. Don't hear that. But things were not yet finished or complete in God's plan of creation. He was still on the way. God knows Adam's need and declares he will perfectly provide for that need. We see this in the second half. He says, I will make him a helper suitable for him. Notice the word Helper. Now, many people have used this word derogatory and uh, toward women. This is not at all. It's actually very complimentary, ladies. It's used 19 times in the Old Testament, of which 16 times it's used in reference of God being a helper. Well, you just thrown in and lump with God. That's a pretty good place to be, isn't it? Helper, God, 16 times and 19 times it's used in the Old Testament. The fact that this word is used the majority of times in reference to God makes it very complimentary. The word helper here in Genesis 2 insinuates that the woman helps a man to do what he cannot do alone. Some of the ladies just said amen below their breath. All right. Now, notice this next one after helper, okay, we have suitable, all right? Uh, and it, the word means corresponding to, to stand opposite like a mirror. Woman was created to be complementary to man. Man and woman would strengthen each other's weaknesses. This points to the fact that the woman is equal and in value and complementary to the man. Now remember back in Genesis 1.27, the, the, the woman, was, woman was made in the image of God just like the, the male was. Men needed someone to help them fulfill God's call of reproducing, ruling, and worshiping. Although man, men and women, they, 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 they're equal, they have the same in value, but we're different. Praise God. We often have different roles. We, we have different function. We're made differently. And that's a beautiful thing. In verses 19 and 20, God brings all the animals before Adam that he's made, that, that, that he's made and he has him name them all, all right, which is no problem when you have a perfect brain, all right? But he did at this time. So why does God do this? Why does he have Adam name all of the animals? I mean, that's, why in the world would we do that? Well, Adam naming the animals shows his authority and headship over the animals, just like God gave mankind their names, this is part of why God had them name animals. There's another reason he had Adam name all the animals. And that's seen in the last phrase of verse 20. It says, but for Adam, there was not found a suitable helper for him. Um, and uh, God knew this already, but he allowed Adam, listen, to discover this on his own so he would realize the need for a suitable partner and then know the value of each. So after he named all the animals, he looks around. And there's not a suitable heaven. I mean, he sees Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. Elephant. He's looking at Mr. and Mrs. Aardvark. I mean, none of those kind of fit with me. Everybody's got somebody but me. Really. I mean, this, this God's helping him see he has a need. God's helping him see this by naming the animals who came along. Adam sees that he, he, he had rulership over the animals, but he had no fellowship. 
by having Adam go through this process, God was graciously preparing Adam to receive Eve by revealing his need of a perfect companion. Now, the application is not to go home and have your husband name all the animals so he can see he has a need for you, ladies. All right, just in case that was the application might become, that's not what it's talking about. All right, he has a need that God gave, prepared, God prepared his heart to receive Eve. Now, notice what happens in verses 21 and 22. Here we see God comes through on his earlier declaration by creating the perfect solution for Adam's problem. It said God forms Eve. Now, notice how God did this in verse 21. <clears throat> he puts Adam to sleep, <clears throat> excuse me, and does surgery on him. And he takes out one of Adam's rib. Notice that word rib, all right? It's used 35 times in the Old Testament, <clears throat> and this is the only time it's translated rib. 20 times it's actually translated as side. It would, a side would include flesh and bone and would therefore probably fit better in the context because verse 23 mentions flesh and bone, all right? So he's talking about the side. So, so wh why did God make Eve out of Adam's side? Now, I'm, I'm going to give you something. This is not gospel. I think it's a good way to look at this. We don't know for sure, but, but it's not out of the character of God if this is the reason. A guy named Matthew Henry said this years and years ago. I heard it. I said, that, that's at least a possibility, all right? So here's what he said about Eve being created out of Adam's side. Not made out of his head to top him, not out of his feet to trample upon him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Isn't that good? That would be keeping maybe with the reason. We don't know, so don't, hey, God said in Genesis 21. That's not what he said, but that's a possibility. Knowing the heart of God, that is at least a possibility. Now, notice the word fashioned or made. Oh, I'm sorry. Go back here. Go back. There you go. All right, the word fashioned, some translations say made in 22. It means to, it, it's used of a builder who takes materials and builds an edifice of grace and beauty. Guys, you all ought to say amen because it's talking about women, all right? All right. And he builds this thing of grace and beauty, woman. And Adam is so overwhelmed as he looks at this perfect gift of the perfect wife that he breaks out in a poem. How many of us guys do that? We're so overwhelmed with our wives, and we just start reciting poetry to them. Now, some, don't raise your hand if you do. You're going to make the rest of us look bad, guys, all right? But that's what Adam does. That's what he does in verse 23. This is a poem. Look what it says. The, the, the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is actually a poem, and most of your Bibles have it set off like this, rightfully so. Because he's overwhelmed at this beautiful thing that God created to compliment him. Then in verse 24, the Lord through Moses uh, says, because of the Lord created the creative order of man and woman, this lays the foundation of marriage. We don't have time again to deep dive in this, but that's really what verses 24 is the foundation of marriage. That's why Genesis, this passage in Genesis is so important. It's a foundation for marriage. All right, and then notice in verse 25 uh, that, that, that it says, and the, and the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. This was due to the unhindered, unhindered intimacy that they enjoyed. There was no mistrust, no selfishness, no sin, no conflict. They were others-focused, not me-focused. They were naked and unashamed. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Wow. What went wrong? The original recipients of Genesis knew that things weren't perfect. Their bodies weren't perfect. Their environment that they were living in was not perfect. Their relationships, especially their marriages, were not perfect. And as they heard this read for the very first time, and again, it was passed on most likely orally, but some of them may have not heard it. Some need to be reminded of it, and they're going, well, what happened? What happened to all that perfect? And God created mankind perfectly in his image to be his image bearers to rule and reproduce and to worship. Well, what happened to being naked and unashamed? Well, what happened to that? What went wrong with the crown of God's creation? Now, many of them knew what went wrong. They knew what was coming up in Genesis 3. Some of them may have not have known that. They didn't get it passed down. They didn't do a good job of telling everyone. But Genesis 3, stay tuned. Next week, we'll discover 
what went wrong. Why it's not mankind. The beginning of mankind is not like we read here in Genesis and 1 and 2. I probably, I probably dove deep on some areas I probably shouldn't dove deep on and skimmed over the ones you wanted me to. But hey, there's a lot here. A lot of great stuff. The beginning of man. Just remember this. You have value. Infinite value because you were created in the image of God. If you don't remember anything else, remember that. The beginning of mankind. Remember that this morning. And I, po- I pointed out multiple implications throughout our time together this morning that you can apply those time as true specifically to your situation. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to apply it. That's God. But the, the time is true. The implications are there. And if you're here this morning and you look at your life in comparison to God's perfect creation of mankind and wonder what went wrong and you see your life and it's not like that, join the club. Because none of us see our life like that, do we? None of us. Here's the great news. If you know Jesus, if you've turned from trusting yourself and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf, here's what it says about you. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is gone. And he is making you back into what he originally created in Genesis 2. And one day will be that. And then some. Isn't that good news? But if you've never turn from your own self-rule that, you know, I can just be good enough and God will let me in. Hey, I'm telling you, we're not good enough. On our best day, in our best minute, or the best second of our day, we're not good enough. But God loved us so much that all we deserved his wrath and deserved his justice, he did send his son to take the just punishment of our sin upon himself that we might be forgiven free. And my encouragement to you is to turn and trust in him so you too would be a new creation in Christ. And he would begin to making you into the man, making you into the woman that he originally intended in Genesis 1 and 2. Isn't that good news too? That's why it's called the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, uh, I pray we'd be overwhelmed by the fact that we are your image bearers. And Lord, by your grace, empower us to be image bearers that bring you glory. And, And reproducing, that could be reproducing physically, putting other kids on the earth, reproducing spiritually, growing up disciples, or to, to ruling, or to, to using the authority that you've given us a way to be a blessing to others and be blessed at the same time, to worship you, to give you the worth through our work, through everything that we do, would empower us to do that, to, to fill the purpose that you put us here for. But would remind us, Lord, that you are perfecting us. And may that encourage us to press on to know you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Brian Hover said earlier, we're going to have people down here to pray with you. If you have questions, want somebody to, to, to pray or just have questions in general, we'll have couples up here to, to, to talk with you. I want to ask you to invite you to stand with me. And let's be reminded, um, we were just talking about help and hope. Um, be reminded Psalm 124, verse 8. Would you read this with me? Read it with confidence. Read it knowing that this is true. Read this with me. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. God bless you. Have a great day.